Blog Talk Radio. Ninety-five percent of our life is coming from the pro. Uh, practice within when you're without. Okay. Is one of my five credos. Practice being successful. How many people listening to this today practice being successful today? What, what does it mean to practice? Being okay. Successful? Okay. Through affirmations, through going to the Rolls Royce dealer, maybe Lamborghini, maybe something else. In my particular case, it was Rolls-Royce. And within a year of me going to Rolls-Royce dealer, I had a Rolls, okay? Within 19 months of me uh, dreaming and uh, adding it to my goals, a castle on an island, I own Guthrie Castle. Go to stores you can't afford. Go go, um, hire lawyers you can't afford. Go hire them. Oh, no, I'm going to use them. Uh, lawyers will meet with anybody accountants will meet with anybody go to the big four accountants uh, with a business idea the first couple meetings are for free Uh, uh, jettison probably a lot of the people you hang around with Um, you know uh, if you have poor public speaking skills uh, join Toastmasters Uh, is that still uh, around? yep join improv Uh, so it's it's all possible but I you know I devoted myself uh, to feeling successful, I was wearing suits like this before I could afford them. Mm-hmm. How'd you get them? I credit cards. Right. So, act, as they say in Hollywood, act as if. Correct. In a way. Okay. Correct. Right. Uh, if you could pick up the phone and make a phone call to the 20-year-old Dan Pena, uh, that's almost 50 years ago, right? 64, 63, something like that. Um, what advice would you give that young man? It's the same advice that I give, and the best advice that I got. Just do it. <laughs> That's it. Do it. It's like the Nike slogan, but what? Correct, the, except with the bad word. With the bad word in there. Oh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, most people procrastinate because they're unsure, so just do it. He said the same thing. And uh, but I, I've never had a problem just doing it, because one of the things is you learn as a young uh, combat infantry officer is time costs lives. Fred Smith, who I like a lot, who is a uh, similarly trained officer like I was, who was a Marine officer, he said, when I got back out of school, when I learned that mistakes weren't causing arms and legs and life and death, <laughs> making decisions was easy. Similar for me. Uh, we overanalyze because we're unsure. We're not overanalyze. We don't overanalyze because we are not sure um, if it'll work or not. We're more worried about on the emotional side it embarrassing us I, I treat everybody the same okay with disrespect release your brakes are you old enough to have uh, uh driven a car that had emergency brakes that don't automatically go off when you put it in drive you're probably too young no i remember that or, uh, yeah you okay to pull the emergency just brake. imagine you drove your car through life with the emergency brake on it's bad for the transmission, it's bad for the tires, it's bad for the universal, it's bad for everything. Right. And you never release Then it. you take, oh, geez, the emergency brake is on. Then you release the brake. What happens? Whoop! Surge ahead. Right? Yeah. Most of us go through life with our emergency brakes on. This is most of us keep the emergency brake on because we want a reason not to test ourselves. Uh, I've tried a lot of things. Nobody's failed at more things than I have. And the first hundred million are successes, but I could write a book about failures that would be like Churchill's volumes, the history of World War II. I mean, because I've tried a lot of different things. Because test, failure is just testing. And uh, one of the reasons I've been so successful in generating this equity and value in my kids, and I call you all kids, is because I convince them that making a mistake is okay. Our parents tell, your parents probably told you, you can be anything you want. They did. That's it's a very American thing. Yeah, but you can't. That's You can't. If it's all juxtaposed, you can do anything you want that you have passion for. Because that eliminates most of the crap. 
because most people don't follow their dream. You can't have a dream come true unless you have a dream. Now, I still dream. I dream in Technicolor. I say my affirmations and goals every single night. Um, well, I was taught by some very smart people a long, long time ago. I used to be with their NASA's group, the CEO of NASA's. Uh, shipping, who was the right-hand man for 60 years of Aristotle and NASA. Oh, NASA's right, the Greek uh, shipping. Yeah, he says, Dan, just remember, dress British and think Yiddish. <laughs> I've never heard that, yes. but I like that. Yeah. What, what does that mean? That means, well, dress British. Right. You know, uh, not being braggadocious, but this is a Savile Road suit, you right. know. Very formal. Yes, and uh, and think Yiddish. Think can in a canny manner. Uh, think shrewdly. Um, nothing derogatory at all. It's actually it's a great compliment. Most of you lack the skills to sell your vision with clarity because you don't practice and, and, and the travesty really is is because you don't believe enough in it. You just don't. And if what you're trying to finance isn't your dream, isn't your vision, I mean the banker or the person on the other side of the table sees to it clearly. They know just absolutely, definitively. Because at the end of the day, they want to feel down deep inside, warm and fuzzy, that this person or this person will do whatever it takes to pay me back the money. And if you don't believe with all your heart, then you're not going to, you know, go that extra mile. That's what they want to believe. And most of you don't believe passionately in what you're doing. And that's why it's very easy for me to say you ought to turn the damn key. Just walk away. And look for something that you can passionately believe in. Is that so difficult? Uh, we're going to talk about heart disease and clogged arteries, congestive heart failure, um, some of the things that doctors, you know, diagnose people with, what's the truth about that? But first, introduce yourself in your show. Your Last time, you have to forgive me, I forgot to even ask you to do that. Um, My name is uh, Dr. Jennifer Daniels. I have a podcast, Healing with Dr. Daniels, and it airs 10 a.m., uh, every Sunday on Vimeo and on Facebook and on YouTube. All right, there you go. That's Dr. Jennifer Daniels. Um, I I think by now a lot of people are familiar with your story. I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can just you're right. Briefly, I think we can just briefly run through it. Basically, I, I attended medical school, uh, became board certified in family practice had a private cash practice for 10 years and um, ultimately realized that what I was taught in medical school was actually killing people. I then started using uh, natural methods, comparing them head to head with what I learned in medical school each time the natural methods turned out to be safer and more effective. And so now I just 100% um, advocate natural methods. And I'm most famous for introducing turpentine for healing. Reintroducing it, it was used very well. Yeah, bringing it back. Um, Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> um, now, this is a question I've never got to ask you. Um, what? what year, at what point, and what year was was the turning point for you when you said medical um, remedies are not working or they, they were harmful? Well, I noticed they weren't working in medical school. That was like off of that. Okay, so this is like... I went to the dean after you guys had to do this. I went to the dean at the end of the first semester. So I said, whoa, whoa, you guys, you got to up the game. Okay. So I noticed they were ineffective, but I was given the excuse that more research was coming. More research was coming. <clears throat> and I had to say, excuse me, you guys have had at least 40 years of research is the best you can do. But I said, okay, there are better researchers, more research coming. So that addressed temporarily the band-aid over the direct observation that nothing was good. Um, then when I got in medical practice, my own private practice, I was solo practice. I mean, I saw patients during the day. I took my phone call at night. 
So I saw the whole, like, write the prescription at 10 a.m., get the distress phone call at 2 a.m. Boom. And nowadays, doctors are group practices. So they write the prescription at 10 a.m., and different doctors get the 2 a.m. phone call and doesn't realize it's related to the 10 a.m. prescription that was written. Because now things are so fragmented and destroyed, you don't get that perspective. But I had that perspective. So the other thing, too, was I was only one person, which meant I had to get my sleep at night. Any time a drug woke me up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., didn't write that prescription anymore. And even though I was solo practice, took my own call, after two to three years of medical practice, I slept like a baby. Nobody called me in the middle of the night in stress because I was not writing those daytime prescriptions that caused the nighttime stress. And I thought I was just being conscientious. But the turning point, the absolute, oh my God, point, was in, um, I would say about 1993-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1993. That, that was it. Yeah. 1993. I had been in practice now for two years, and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to really, really improve my effectiveness. I'm going to review the charts of every single person who died and see how I can improve what I'm doing. That's already pretty conscientious, you know. If I didn't understand the person's problem, I would say, wait, I will get back to you. And every two weeks, I went to the medical library for several hours to look up every single thing I had questions about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would send people to the specialist to make sure that everything was perfect just the way it should be and absolutely best it could be according to the standard of care. Mm-hmm. So, but I still want, you know, I wanted to do better because, you know, people were dying. Not very many, but they were dying. Maybe three a year, which is not much for a family practice. So I reviewed all the charts of the people who died. And without exception, they kept their appointments, they took their medicines, they were fully diagnosed, they had every test under the sun done, they had seen the specialist, and they were following the standard care to a peak. All the patients who were non compliant skipped their appointments, didn't take their drugs, didn't show up for whatever, no death. Oh my God, oh my God. Could it be that the standard care properly applied to killing people. And I, I, I actually went into an emotional funk. And um, it took me about three months of sleepless nights to figure out a solution to it because I was making pretty good money. Right. And a bad year, I made 135000 and a good year, 200000 Right. And that was in the 90s when that kind of money you know, was really... Different. Really meant something, right, yeah. So that was more money than surgeons made back then. That's how much money it was. And to walk away from that was no way that I could just How was you gonna supplement? not kill people. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying not kill people and still make this money. Right. And so that's when I gave people a choice of standard care, doing nothing, lifestyle changes, supplements, cleansing. But look, it's all your choices. What do you want to do? And I also told them, <clears throat> here's a prescription for medication. It's the standard of care. If you get any side effects at all, stop the medicine and give me a call. Mm-hmm. When I did that, the death rate in the medical practice was zero. Zero. So that was definitely. And that for me was proof positive. Yeah. <laughs> right. Proof positive. I said, oh my God. Then. Yeah. <clears throat> At that point, I thought, well, standard of care is simply harmful, right? That's that, 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 that harmful. But you can decide if you want to do it. And then when I took my license away, I realized, oh, my God, they took my license because I refused to kill people. Right. That was actually my job. I was a professional killer trained and certified by the government. Was there, and you, then when I realized dealer. that, <laughs> he was their drug dealer. You stopped making the money. That's the whole thing. You just, no, no, I was worse than a drug dealer. My job was to deliver the dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta get this. You get this picture. It was my job literally to kill people. And so when 
when I took my license and I realized that, I said, oh, well, oh, I, I don't need my license. I don't want my license back because I don't want to kill people. So that's the end of that. Right. But there was no way to communicate that to my supporters, my set, and heartbroken, you know. Now, when you were when you were going through that, were you married at the time? No. No. Okay. All right. You know, I was thinking. You know, that. And that's... I believe that made it easier to go through, because when you have a a, a spouse, let's say I would have a working spouse, maybe put myself in a job. Mm-hmm. They could harass him at work. They could threaten our second income. Right. And then my spouse is a pressure on me. Right. Or uh, so they, they they could put pressure on me through myself. So because I didn't have a spouse, there was no lever for control. Right. And I was free to just do what I thought was right. I didn't have any modifiers things. I didn't have to. Oh, I don't want him to suffer. Or right. oh my God, I can't believe they did to him. Or you know something like that. Okay, so that did make it easier because I know when some people want to make changes or do changes. But because of their family structure and the of the retaliation, uh, they won't move forward, and that's uh, correct. Absolutely. Like I was involved in a banking issue mm-hmm. where uh, a local bank wouldn't let me money for my friends, was redlining a neighborhood and not making loans for houses, mm-hmm. and they actually denied me a loan to build a house even though I had $90,000 balance in their bank. Yeah, that's what well, Because I wanted to build a house in the ghetto. Right. Well, you can know I was not happy about that. <laughs> so, we they should have denied at the same time, the committee had the income, so, yeah. No, they denied everything. They denied everything. Yeah, we're not letting money for a house in that neighborhood. That's crazy. Right. So, yeah. a local community was organizing against the bank to prevent the bank from merging with another bank. Mm-hmm. And so I joined that merger movement. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to me, the, the Federal Reserve of New York had said, all the people in this community group have to vote unanimously in favor of any agreement. Mm. So everybody else in the group was married or had a uh, significant other they were living with. And the bank harassed a significant other with job loss, foreclosure on their mortgages, their cars, and everything. So what ultimately happened was everyone voted to allow the merger, and I was the only stand-up vote. Mm-hmm. I was the one dispensing vote. And because of that, the bank came back three weeks later agreeing to all the terms and everything agreeing to stop discriminating, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And it was a big famous thing. It was the first time ever that a community group had successfully stood up to a bank. Mm-hmm. And the Wall Street Journal wrote an article about it. It was huge. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that to me was a real lesson, how they, you know, get into your whole family structure. Obviously, they have private detectives investigating everything. Yeah, they got people watching and listening. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm just saying, they spend a lot of money and a lot of time on that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they send people in to infiltrate, to gather information, look look for weak points. Oh, no, we were, we were definitely infiltrated. There was no question. Our yeah. leader was a bank sympathizer. Oh, no. We were totally, there was no question we were infiltrated. Right. But... Because the Federal Reserve said the vote had to be unanimous, the infiltration was not successful because, because unfortunately, I happened to be in the group. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's around the time when you went to medical school. No, that was 92. I was out of medical school. I'm about prior to that, like when you went to medical school, when you became a doctor. 1983. Right, that's a big time when they, when AIDS was uh, starting to become a buzzword. They launched it. Yeah, and they I remember, <laughs> I remember AIDS. So I was in medical school. It was eighty two. I was getting ready to graduate. Yes, I remember. Oh my God, mm-hmm. I was getting ready to graduate. And they said, "Oh, by the way, deadly AIDS. It's here." Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so we, I went through all the basic science, 
the understanding of the principles of laboratory testing, the principles of evidence. Mm-hmm. And at the time of graduation, there's absolutely no evidence of the existence of AIDS. None. None. They launched the epidemic without any evidence Word. that the disease existed. I remember. Now, the other thing, if you go back in history, 83, what's the definition of AIDS? Definition of AIDS, T, uh, T cell count, and a rash. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. The whole definition. Right. Now, the definition of AIDS, I guess, three or four paragraphs. They're making it up as they go along. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. I remember when I first heard about it, I was a, I probably would maybe at that time headed into junior high school, right prior to junior high school. I'm trying to think. But mm-hmm. I, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, so I don't practice anymore. Just be clear. <laughs> uh, it was two elders talking about it because they, they read about it, heard about mm-hmm. it, and we were out. You know how Joel's witness do? They knock on doors. We were out, and what we called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and they were talking about it. How it's it's killing homosexual men. This was the right. thing. And then I think after that, I heard it was had to do with some monkeys, and <laughs> just ridiculous thing after you know, it just came up with all kinds of uh, scenarios on why AIDS is a killer amongst just the homosexuals. Well, why? Yeah. Right. Um, but just thinking about it, it made you have a, it, it changed the dynamics of your view of sexual activity when you just hear it. That's what it was designed to do. That's <laughs> all it was designed to do. I, I went to 10 years of celibacy over that. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We won't be doing that. I don't think so. Oh, no, 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 no. And people are still programmed, you know, believing in this. this, uh, this thing. That's so, because they haven't looked for the evidence. They have not looked for the evidence. So, and they have not looked, they have not, yeah, they've not looked at the evidence. So first of all, if everything is said about AIDS was true right. in 1979, what would things look like now? Well, <clears throat> if it's a contagious disease and it's incurable, you would expect the people who have AIDS to grow, 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 right? It hasn't grown. You would expect the death rate from AIDS to increase, increase, increase. Right. It has just leveled out. It's been leveled for decades. Right. So that, what does that tell you? One, it's not deadly, and two, it's not contagious. Right. And but in case that's not enough evidence for you, you let's would... look at what the government said. Do you know if you're HIV positive, I'm HIV negative, how many times? Well, they did it the other way around. If I'm a woman and I'm HIV positive, and you're a guy, great to be negative, how many times do I need to have sex with you for you to get the disease? Um. Based on my understanding, they say it's it's difficult for a man to get it from a woman. That's the rumor. No, uh, no, no, no. Give me a number. Give me a number. Give me a, give me a number. Uh, based on their say, uh, one maybe three times for you to contract it. Four thousand. Four thousand. What? Four I can't even give it to a ten-year marriage. How many times do married couples have sex? Right. Oh. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, it's not average, average, average. <laughs> you know. Hey, over 10 years, things are bound to level off, right? Right, right. So let's say an average of sex once a day for 10 years. You still couldn't transmit it. Right. So So if you can't transmit it by having sex 4,000 times, well, first of all, let's just let's look at this. If I have had sex with you 4,000 times to give you A, then a clear fed is promiscuity, right? Don't have sex with anyone more than 10 times. Oh, no AIDS. But what do they tell you? Promiscuity causes AIDS. It can't possibly. If you need to have sex with the same person 4,000 times in order to get the disease. In fact, promiscuity would be the cure. Right. Nobody would get it. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, we've had sex 10 times. you got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I, I ain't getting no AIDS. Uh-uh. So what's the frequency of AIDS in the United States? If you test everyone in the United States for AIDS, and they've done this secretly, they just randomly tested people who didn't know they were being tested for AIDS. How many people have AIDS? One in how many? I don't know the number. Okay, I'll tell you the number. See, I'm looking at all this. If you're looking at all this, then you live a life full of fear, and then you're constantly being controlled. So you can only transmit it sexually at a rate of one in 4,000. Right. The rate of 
infectivity by the testing is one in 250. Whoa, back up, back up. 90% of AIDS can't possibly be sexually transmitted, right? Because if everyone in the United States got exposed to AIDS, only one in 4,000 would have it. You with me? Right. Mm-hmm. So where are the other, where are the other cases coming from? If you ask me, I think they're making the numbers up. They're just, uh, we got to no, get... No, 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 no. Maybe they're making it up. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. But that's not the point. The point is, if we believe the numbers, the numbers are internally contradictory and do not comport with the recommended policy. So, if you look at the numbers they're giving you, let's just take it as true. Like, hey, who am I? Who am I? I, I, I not my research. It's the government numbers, right? right? Let's go with government numbers and World Health Organization numbers. And then look at prostitutes. Prostitutes who are HIV positive and they had to screw 4,000 Johns to give one John AIDS. Okay. So, if you look at these numbers, then the numbers do not support the policy. If you look at these numbers and you believe these numbers, then the numbers say don't be the condom, be promiscuous, and you will not get AIDS. Right. The last thing you want to do to prevent AIDS is get one partner and be loyal. The well, last thing you want to do. The statement you just made, they looked at prostitutes and it said they have that yes. 4,000 times. Now, here's my question. Right. How do they know the prostitute gave him AIDS? Who's testing after you? No, 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 no. We're going to believe everything. We're going to believe everything. Yeah, I, so when people are lying to you, you have these inconsistencies. Right, right. And that's how you get at the truth. You say, okay, you know what? I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe everything you tell me. And let's see where it leads. <clears throat> and at least the exact opposite of what their policies are. So obviously the policies are not designed to prevent the transmission of AIDS. The no. policies are designed to simply control your sexual health. Keep you, yeah, right. Now, so I was celibate for 10 years. Ordinarily, that would mean I basically sterilized myself, right? Because I was celibate from age 30 to 40. But I had three kids during that period. Right. I just had them like artificial insemination. Okay, all right, we got it. I'm still having my kids. I may not get, I'm not getting made, but I'm having my kids. <laughs> and so most people are not that determined and not that focused. Yeah. I have my life plan laid out. I'm having six kids, and that's it. All right, that age thing, no problem. Artificial insemination. Okay, we got this. Mm-mm. Okay, got it. Um, so. So now that we have step, okay, where can people go to get that type of information you just mentioned, uh, talk about? We're, we're- so the World Health Organization, HIV, AIDS, Transmissibility, and Prostitutes in Africa. Okay. Everyone in Africa got AIDS, right? So, I mean, you can't transmit it there, you can't transmit it anywhere. Uh, that's <laughs> you know. Um, now, the other thing you look at in the United States and the U.S., and say, what is the frequency of AIDS in the United States? What percent of U.S. citizens have AIDS? And they'll tell you, one in 250. Mm. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's do the math. Let's see. <laughs> I did the math before. I've done so many shows on this. It's like AIDS, a truth too big to ignore. Okay. That's the show they listen to? Yeah, it's shocking. Okay. Okay, so only one person in 16 who has AIDS could have possibly gotten it sexually. Mm-hmm. Only one in 16 could possibly have gotten a sexual. Because if you have an HIV positive person who has sex with everybody in the United States, only one in 4,000 will say. Another way to look at it, if everyone in the United States is exposed to AIDS sexually, then only one in 4,000 is going to get it. But wait, the test is positive in one in 250. How do the 15 people per 4,000 get this? Yeah, so let's look at percentages like that. No, no. So ninety-four percent of people who have AIDS did not could not possibly have gotten it sexually. Let's open the discussion. How did they get it? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I can go one step further. I don't care. The no. point is, the sexual policy as a way of controlling AIDS makes no sense since ninety-four percent of people did not get it sexually. Right. So that's the point. Is AIDS out there? Yes. Okay. Well, let's just say it. Again, you know, I'm not, I don't even bother to question people. Are you telling the truth or not? Mm-hmm. I'll just believe what you say. I bet my mother will laugh. 
Yeah, you'll believe anything. I said, yes, I will. I'm going to believe it, do the math, figure it out, and then say, okay, fine. Where does this lead us? So if we believe that one in 250 people have AIDS, and you can only get it sexually one in 4,000, then what? 94% is not sexually spread. So my sexual policy, my sexual behavior in no way should be governed by AIDS. The next thing, let's take a look at people who are HIV positive. Take a look at their partners who are HIV negative. Mm-hmm. Over the course of a year, what percent of those partners develop AIDS? <coughs> oh. I, I had this number, and but I, don't, I don't remember it. But the point is, it's less than 1 in 250. Right. So the best protection against AIDS is to have sex with HIV positive partner, right? That's what the number says. Yeah, because it's a one in four thousand chance. Right. Yeah, that's if you're having sex with someone who's HIV positive. But if you're just living your life, chances are one in two hundred and fifty. Huh? Well, we go find an HIV positive partner. <laughs> I'm just talking about if you make your decision based on and the numbers. Right, the numbers. That would be more logical step. Yeah. Exactly, but the policies are exact opposite. HIV positive people are pariah. So maybe, let's just say, let's put it this way. You can get an HIV positive test, but you can't get it by sex. So maybe it's the vaccine. Maybe it's lifestyle, eating. I don't Who knows? Um, exactly. But wait, let's see. What is it? There's a question. What's AIDS? So you look at the definition for AIDS. You see how it's evolved over the years. Right. <clears throat> and you see it's not a disease at all. It's a political tool. Right. So you, the public, got in on the disease two years after they discovered it. So what did they discover? Well, homosexual men had it. Jewish people taking chemotherapy had it. Well, well, wait, back up, back up. Wait. What happened to Jewish people taking chemotherapy? How come the public wasn't told about that group? Well, nobody said anything about that. Ooh. Well, you didn't hear anything about me in medical school. They told us about it. All of a sudden, they just didn't wasn't mentioned anymore. When you said that, that make you know what? AIDS is the acronym for acquired immune deficiency syndrome, right? So acquired. I'm just using my logical mind now. So if you got Jewish people who are taking chemotherapy, which is known to compromise the immune system, then that wasn't believed to be the case back then. (laughs) So then we're talking about maybe the chemotherapy is what's causing the problem. It's just a thought. Exactly. So I'm trying to say it's a political decision that you're going to characterize a decision in terms of white male homosexuals and not white Jewish people on chemotherapy. That was a political decision, not a scientific decision. Gotcha, I got Now, the next political decision. So, so you got to separate a political decision from a scientific decision. And so there was no scientific decision that one group had more of a risk than the other group. So why do we focus on this demographic as their personal habits causing it? And, and if, if, the, if personal habits cause this, then why wasn't the chemotherapy a cause in the white Jewish male mm. as opposed to the sex in the homosexual? Mm. And so they built this emotional trigger of a disease to create AIDS. Mm. Uh, control over people's sexual habits to get people to sterilize themselves by abstaining from sex. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the condom has a 10% per year failure rate. Mm-hmm. If you're using a strainer whose holes are bigger than the rocks you're trying to strain, it's ineffective. <laughs> what does that mean? The failure rate of 10% mm-hmm. is greater the frequency of the disease in the population, then that method cannot prevent the disease. Right. Because that disease, the frequency is so small, it's going to flip through the failure rate. A lot so, of people don't know what you just said, or didn't might not have caught what you just said about condoms. That they that, don't get it, right? So <laughs> using a condom with a ten percent failure rate cannot prevent a disease with an incidence of less than half a percent. 
Right. Which is one in 250, right? Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to do then is totally control and dominate the discussion of sexual habits. Right. They want people to not have sex. They want people to use condoms. They want people to all these sexual behaviors built up around the so-called AIDS, we'll call it situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Will not, cannot control the epidemic. We know that because of the numbers they gave us. Mm -hmm. Their numbers tell us that the advice they're giving us has no chance of controlling the situation. And that, well, most people have a problem listening to what you just said because they don't read for themselves. They won't, and they won't. No, no, it, it, no, no. It takes a tremendous amount of mathematical skill. The numbers are so friggin' small, you got to get into serious decimal places. Like I had to go out three, six, nine decimal places a lot of times. So oh. You got to keep your decimal points straight. It can get confusing. Okay. Easy. It ain't fourth grade math. This is, you know. <laughs> Okay. So most of life's problems can be solved with fourth grade math. But right. when people are trying to buy you and pull stuff over your eyes, they go a little higher on the math. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's true. Because most people's strong point is not math. Um. Okay. Heart disease. We'll, we'll, you right. know, go to the doctor. They always want to. Oh, do you have any heart disease in your family? And who died of a heart disease? They, they kind of give mm -hmm. you a heart problem based on your genetics or say you're high. Right. What's the truth about right. it? How, how much truth is there? truth about it is uh, your heart disease risk has just about zero to do. I won't say risk. Your heart disease reality, whether you have it or not, has nothing to do with your relatives. Nothing. Whatever. Okay. It's totally your lifestyle. In other words, whether or not you have a heart attack is on you. Okay, so let me understand what you just said. So <clears throat> it's not my genetics, it's my lifestyle. So most people who live in the same house share the same lifestyle as far as eating habits. You know, they kind of do the same thing. Many, many habits, they have many habits they share. Right, that they share. So it's really their lifestyle. Okay, got you. So it's not genetics. Um, same with type 2 diabetes. For example, my brother has diabetes. My sister has diabetes. Both my grandparents have diabetes. Are you with me? I'm with you. I don't have diabetes. I'm not going to get it. So, so yes, their lifestyle. Basically, family history-wise, I would have diabetes. I'm 62. I should have diabetes. But I don't have it. I ain't getting it. Because you don't share the same lifestyle. Right? Not at all. <laughs> okay. I don't even live in the same country. Oh, that's even... I have far away from the lifestyle I could possibly get. <laughs> so are you suggesting we should leave? <laughs> if no, we... maybe you should leave your household. If right. you have a family history of diabetes, definitely don't go to family family reunions and family celebrations. I'll tell you that right now. Right. And you might want to move out of the city where your family is living <laughs> and develop your own lifestyle. Right. Okay. I was just kidding. Well, we all know that, you know, the, the, the United States is a very big place, and there are wonderful places you can live in the United States. Yeah. It's a very big place. Not every place is New York City. Right. Yeah. That's why. Although, I, you leave the United States, everyone's like, oh, are you from New York City? Oh, you must be from New York City. Okay. So, basically, heart disease. So, how does one heart start to give them problems? Heart disease. Like one is they 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 processed food, constipation, and dehydration. That's it. Process. Processed food, constipation, and dehydration. That's it. Wow. <laughs> so stop eating processed. Food, Simple. Drink some Simple. water. And uh. And go to bed. Period. Okay. Now. Simple. Congestive heart failure. Uh, they my daughter's mom. You know she uh went to the doctor when she was pregnant. This was many years ago. My daughter's almost, will be 13 next month. And they said to her, amongst other things, oh, uh, they said to her, yeah. had congestive heart failure. <clears throat> what, 13, 14 years ago. Then they said, oh, you might want to think about abortion because you have diabetes, your number's been out of control, and the child will end up- Exactly, exactly. The, problem. the and, whole purpose of prenatal care it's to counsel the woman again and again to get an abortion. Mm. That is the whole purpose of prenatal care. Mm. 
At every point, they do a test. The test is to help you decide to abort the baby. Brianna mm-hmm. is sampling at, at uh, 7 to 14 weeks. is to determine if you have a birth defect in the baby. Would you like to abort? Amniocentesis at 16 weeks. Determine, would you like to abort? Everything, would you like to abort? Would you like to abort? So if you want to have a healthy baby, the last thing you should do is prenatal care. <laughs> wow. And... And basically, although she delivered um, our daughter in, um, she was premature, but my daughter's a straight-A student since she's been in school, and she doesn't get sick. Did she have a C-section or no? She had a C-section. She did have... Whoa, 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 whoa. Your daughter was not premature. They created the prematurity. They scheduled that C-section and created the prematurity. Number one cause of infant mortality. They nearly killed your daughter. In fact, they do that so many times, but that is the number one cause of infant mortality. There are states that pass laws say Medicaid, the health care of the poor, will not pay for scheduled C-sections. The doctor may not schedule a C-section because they always schedule a C-section and create prematurity. So you can only do a C-section once the lady has naturally gone into labor on her own. Mm. Now, they did the C-section because she had some... No, bullshit, 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 bullshit. She was about to die, you know, all kinds of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go talk to the priest about it. You treat the doctor like he's a priest. It's all faith. There's no evidence that any of this stuff they do is healthy. In fact, it's unhealthy. And that's why the states have passed laws refusing to pay doctors for C-sections done when the lady's not going to labor on her own. Mm. Right. Well, granted to say she survived it. And she's going to be 13 next month, straight-A student. Exactly. She did just that. This is, when she was... Straight-A student, that's not necessarily good. Now, when she was very young, uh, we had this one doctor, and she stayed with an if infection, or some type of infection, coughs, and asthma, all kind of things. And I got into... She was feeding her dairy. was feeding her dairy. Yes, that's true. She was drinking milk. Uh, Stop the dairy, no more ear infection. Well, we stopped that. But I got into it with the doctor one time, and I took her away from that doctor. We stopped taking to the doctor, and I switched doctors. I mean, she might have seen this doctor literally in the last seven years, twice. Correct. Not on any medications, nothing. The asthma like disappeared. You know that she claimed she had, mm-hmm. and she hasn't been sick. Oh. Correct. Correct. <laughs> At all. Like, she gets a little thing here and there, but I remember one time we went to the doctor, like, an a, a emergency care room, and the guy tested her nostril for, for flu symptoms. Oh, she's got the flu! But this medicine costs $350. You know, I'm I'm, I'm self-employed, no insurance, so I paid so for it. said the heck with it. I said, said, no, I didn't get it. So I took a three-hour right. drive, now three-hour drive to my place, this is that time I was living three hours away. I took her with me, and I mixed up a little concoction and with the little turpentine in it. The next day, she was running around the uh, the apartment. Just <laughs> like, now, that brings up a question. What was the purpose of that test? He did a quick test, nasal swab, which does not detect the virus at all, the antibody test. Right. All it does is help him sell more drugs. The false right. positive radius through the roof. Right. And yeah. she was better less than 24 hours later, literally. Correct. She would not have gotten better that quick with the medicine. Right. I know because I prescribed the medicine back in the 90s. Like, I was always leery of the doctors, but when that happened with the, you know, her doctor's experience from before and the whole flu situation, when that happened, that told me right there that there's something wrong with this industry and in their Correct. diagnosis. You know. Okay, so you're really like narrow. Okay, let's just let's expand on your lesson. Right. The industry is not designed to heal or cure. Right. But anyway, it's designed to harm and kill. That's it. That's it. If you want to live, there's no reason to engage the industry. If you're ready to die, sure, go ahead, sign go up. Ahead. And make go left and go right. All right. <laughs> That's I'm, what my father used to say. How do you say? Doctors are just murder. This kill people. You ready? Don't go to the hospital unless you're ready to die. Mm-hmm. He said that so many times as a kid. <laughs> that when I grew up and had my own kids, I just never mind. We're not doing that. Yeah. 
They would because they were really on a campaign to get men to go to the doctor through prostate exams and stuff like that. Oh, black men don't go. Exactly. You're in medical school. In yeah. medical school, they said we have a problem. Men are not going to the doctor every single year. Men are not being obedient and doing what the doctor says. We've got the women roped in with prenatal care and that annual counseling. We got them roped in. Okay, there's solid. Got that nailed down. But we need to get the men in. We need to give the men a reason to go every year. And then they literally invented the prostate nonsense. It's right there, right there, under my nose. Well, as a medical school, just invented it. Wow. All right. when I entered, it didn't exist. 83 when I left, men needed an annual prostate exam. Boom, mm-hmm. just boom, created. Like the advertising guy creates a need for, you know, pop tarts or something. <laughs> uh, congestive heart failure, what is that? Is that, oh, uh, that's what they were trying to say she had. It's malnutrition. It's malnutrition. Mal- so the overnight cure for congestive heart failure is no dairy, no meat. Basically, an unprocessed vegan diet. Oh. You eat your beans, fries, and vegetables, and a little bit of salad, and, lots, and as much water as you want. Oh, in one week, you're cured. Okay. Now, clogged arteries. I know it because I saw it in front of my eyes. This <clears throat> my father had. Clogged arteries are, are, are bull, are bull. No, no, no. Let's, get, let's cut the stage here. Your arteries clog gradually over time. As they clog, your body builds new arteries to go around the clog. So 100% blockage is totally harmless because your body has already constructed collaterals to go around it. Mm. Wow. And it, you know, mm. first, yeah. first, mm. no one tells you that, huh? Mm. Oh, my father had quadruple bypass surgery, you know, some years back. Now he's on this. Medical. Oh, yeah. Money maker, money maker. Oh, I could change the change. Oh, absolutely. And he's happy to do it. By doubt, he's got equality. He's got the quality of care that white folks get. He's happy. Now, That's what the civil rights movement was all about. Once the civil rights movement came into play, black people trusted the doctor and they trusted the teacher. Before that, black, even in my own family, get whatever grades you want. You ain't getting no job anyway. No matter what the teacher says, she ain't doing nothing for you. That stuff they're teaching you ain't important. If it's important, they wouldn't be teaching it to you. So that was the pre-civil rights posture. The post-civil rights posture, you better go to school and get grades. You better do what the teacher said. And so black families totally give up their authority to the teacher. Mm-hmm. And like you say, oh, she gets straight A's. I'm surprised. It's too bad. I wish she got straight D's. She probably had a better chance of success. <laughs> yeah, I get worried. Sorry but- to hear that. I try to offset that. No, you need to tell her. No, no, no. Tell her. Yeah. You raised some man. I said, listen, you know, you're going to the studio, you're just listening to what they say just to get to your grades. That, those lessons there are not going to teach you how to live. Period. No, no. You're, you're back. You're back. You're already. <laughs> They're teaching you a bunch of lies. You believe oh, that, yeah, shit. that. You ain't never going to have nothing. You ain't going to have no man. You ain't going to have no family. You ain't going to have no job, and you ain't going to have no health. So everything they teach you in school is wrong. Just telling you right now. Because if it was the truth, they wouldn't be teaching it to you. That's what you need to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, when you think about it, when you really, really think about it, oh, I know a lot of people with high education, PhDs, and I was working right alongside them in like Walmart and bookstores and stuff like that. And there was with huge amounts of debt. Uh, life wasn't going great for them. I'm like, and, and, and then they'll say, oh, things are not great. And then in the next conversation, they'll say, or the next sentence, they'll say, well, I have a, a degree or a PhD. Like that really did something for them. And I'm saying to myself, you know. You're man, setting your daughter up for that by praising right. her age. Right. I I don't have any for that. None of for not respecting for not respecting you. Yeah, you you I would agree with that. You need to tell her a D average will make you rich. Right now you're going to poverty. Right now you're on track to be hundred two hundred thousand dollars in debt at twenty six with no way to repay it. That's the track you're on now. Mm-hmm. Or 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 getting a job and waiting for that one check at your retirement. No, but she's going to get a job. It's not going to pay her enough to even pay the interest on her educational loan. 
Because if you're self if you're self employed, you're working way too hard for your money to waste on a college education. Right. You do better if you want to, if you want to tell her about college. Honey, you can go if you want and you paying for it, I'm not. Well, I'm encouraging her to do her own business, find something. No, 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 no. You, you, you need to tell her it's her job to not take out loans, live within her means. If she want to go to college, pay cash as she goes, if she wants to go. Right. Now, I'll tell you what will happen if you tell her that. She'll figure out the only way to earn that kind of money is her own business. Right. But if you hand her the answer, she's going to say, oh, they have to get you. Why? I can tell you right now. Because she's got an A in school. She's listening to the teachers, not you. You don't count. In fact, she comes home at school and do homework. It's a day I'm sorry. I can't do my chores do my homework now. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, oh, that teacher feeding you? You better do your chores first to get your homework when you can. <laughs> now, <laughs> so you're creating a situation. You're setting her up to be an educated, exploited, slave idiot. Right. So, Clark, we've established. Let me tell you what happened to my brother. Let me tell you what happened to my brother. He had five kids. Married, five kids, working three jobs. He figured out he could not possibly afford to send the kids to college. Mm-hmm. He told all, all the kids, you go to college, but you want to, you're paying. The mother said, you better go to college. Kids started online business at the age of 14. By the time they were 18, they were earning enough money from their online business to pay for college. Mm-hmm. But you got to give the kids a problem. Right. Let him go find a solution. But you start handing him solutions without him even understanding that there is a problem, and you're going to get to them. Right. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, so we've established clogged arteries. It repairs itself. And how does it, what, what kind of diet will encourage repairing those clogged arteries if there's a blockage? A vegan, organic, unprocessed food diet. Unprocessed food. I remember. And that will reverse the clogs in about three months, and then you can start adding organic meats that are free of hormones and free of uh, pesticides. Okay. And, and free of antibiotics. Now, um, I remember you said something about uh, apple cider vinegar and um, was it cayenne pepper? Yeah, that's good for an emergency, like when, you know, you're in the throes of a heart attack. Okay. Well, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, terrible. So yeah. you take this and boom, heart attack is gone. And you see about uh, less time it takes the ambulance to arrive. <laughs> oh, so. Less than 20 minutes. There's certain amount they need to take, mixture, like with the apple cider vinegar and the cayenne pepper? Yeah, one tablespoon of. Cayenne pepper and a quarter cup of apple cider vinegar. Quarter cup. Okay. Yeah. Is that something they could just take whenever? Like, if, hey, this week I'm just going to drink some of this. Is I this- would not. Okay. I would not. I would change the uh, diet. Because the problem is if you rely on just taking that, you're living on the edge. You right. need to change your lifestyle and pull yourself back from the edge. Okay. All right. All right. Well, once again, announce your uh, show again so people know where to find you and what what products you have, your Vitality Capsules. It's Healing with Dr. Daniels is the, is the podcast. And it's available on Vimeo, YouTube, and Facebook. And I release a new episode uh 10 a.m. every Sunday. Okay. So you no longer and, do a live show. You you just do the, the pre-recorded shows. Yeah, people can email their questions to J D A A A N I E L S at gmail.com. And my assistant gathers all the questions together and I pick from those questions and I answer them. Uh, answer selected questions during my podcast. So the podcast is one hour. Obviously, not enough for you know, to answer all the questions. Right. So I do also have appointments. People can uh, go to vitalitycapsules.com and click appointments and make an appointment. I also have a free report that can be a cleaner, which people can get from my um, website. And it talks about 
the healing properties of turpentine and how to use it. Right. You also have a home healers course, which I took, which I think is excellent. Yeah. All of the material, but really good for anybody who wants to take care of themselves without going to a doctor. Um, Put it real blunt. Anybody who wants to free themselves economically from the medical industrial complex, no more lab tests, no more doctor visits, no more ER visits, no more hospital visits, no more checkups, and no time wasted. You want to reclaim that time and that money into your life, this is the course for you. Right. Now, your discovery sessions are around, what, 300 and... Um, 397. Okay. Yeah, 397 or 349, depending. And people have really solved amazing problems with that. Uh, they prevent surgery. They... One lady, in fact, she's going to make an appointment. Mm-hmm. And uh, she went into my archives of radio shows, listened to them, found the answer to her condition, implemented it, cured herself, then went and paid for the discovery session and said, I'm not going to keep the appointment because you cured me with your radio shows. I want you to give this appointment to someone else who can't afford it. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful the information is. Right. Now, for all of those people that, like, I've, I've, I've gotten a comment that that was expensive. And I need, this is how I. Hey, go to, the, go to the archives. Go to the archives and listen to them and educate yourself, and you can do it. Um, I said this. I said, you go to the doctor, do you know those average visits are very expensive? They're more than 397 and you're not being fixed. And he only sees you for about five minutes, and then he's on to his next patient. That's just my experience. Right, I give you a full half hour. Right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> then you don't hour. even know. He said, well, try this. He gives you a prescription, try this, and tell me how it works. That's basically what happens. Right. Here you're talking about a detailed, straight-to-the-point answers to your issues. Correct. Correct. That's, I think that's a drop in the bucket compared to the alternatives. Now I bet people generally take hundreds of dollars. One lady uh, talked to had uh, liver cancer. I'm like, oh, my God, liver cancer. <laughs> that's pretty hopeless. But we got on the uh, appointment. I asked her what drug she was taking. She was taking one drug that causes outright liver cancer straight up and six drugs that impair and harm the liver. Mm. I said, lady, look, she'd been taking drugs for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So we were able to stop at least three of them and take the other four. Mm-hmm. But she was ready to embark on a natural healing program and continue her drug. I said, no, it's not going to work. It's right. not going to work. You can't keep slicing yourself with a knife and ask someone to apply aloe leaves, you know, and you're still getting sliced. Right. So you've got to stop this thing that you're doing. And then she had a diet that was just feeding the whole problem. We adjusted her diet. But, you know, the first thing you've got to do is get to the bottom of what is causing this problem. Don't ask for a pill for your headache. Stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, that's that. That's what I find. Like listening to your show, I find a lot of people have difficulty at first to give up the doctor's advice. You know, the program hardwired, not really hardwired, but they have hard. No, no. It's like your daughter getting straight A's. That is so dangerous. Because she's getting straight A's, memorizing 100% hearsay. She is not asking that teacher for a shred of evidence that anything a teacher's teaching is true. Right. She's being trained to be gullible. So if A is a gullibility rating, your daughter has an A-plus gullibility rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... <laughs> well, she hear me talking about here a lot about stuff. <laughs> no, just ask her, say, what? That's, what did the teacher teach you today? Teacher taught me two plus two is four. Mm-hmm. Just say to her, can you think of an example where two plus two, or one plus one is two? And you say to her, give me three examples where one plus one is not two. I said, what? <laughs> give me three examples where one plus one is not two. Mm-hmm. She said, Dad, you stupid. And she just said, one plus one is two. You said, okay, okay, I got you, I got you. Mm-hmm. Put together a lion and a gazelle. One plus one is how many? One, because the lion's going to eat the gazelle. <laughs> right. All right. Put together a lion and a lioness. One plus one, what you going to get? Two, two cubs plus two adults, that's four. Right. 
okay? There's, there's so many examples all around us, but one plus one is absolutely not two. And your daughter is being taught this, and you ask her, is one plus one two? You say, yeah, Dad. You say, when is one plus one plus not two? She'll say, never. Now, you know you got an idiot right there. Done. She's, she's, she's locked down. So just having her go through that exercise at home every day. What did you learn in class today? Well, I learned <coughs> that World War I was started because somebody got shot in the head. Okay, got that. No, 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 no. Can you think of any other reason why a bunch of countries might have gone to war and spent millions of dollars? Really? You probably, People are shot every day in Detroit. People get shot in the head. How come there ain't no big war? Right. Really? So the thing you have to teach her to say, okay, teacher, the teacher might be right, but give me five other plausible explanations for what she told you. Right. And then you get after. We got six explanations there. You have a life where you plan to grow up, take care of yourself, and have a family. Is any of these is any of this information going to help you with that? No. No. Nope. Wasted your time. I tell she her. That, wasted uh, your time. I say that it doesn't because <clears throat> none of the stuff I went to school and learned, I'm using it right now. It was correct. Tough. None of it. In fact. If you go back, it's not even true. Right. I went to Harvard. So Harvard, the first month, they reviewed everything K through 12 that you learned. Everything. Just make sure we're all on the same page. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, everything I learned K through 12 could have been taught in one month. (laughs) And the thing is, you're wasting her time even driving her to school, driving her to extracurricular activity. You need to tell her. If this is so important, you need to get a job and pay for it. Mm-hmm. You need to get to cheerleading practice. What's it going to cost? Get a job and pay for it. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Have her right now understand the true cost of her education. <clears throat> and then say, what did you learn today that's going to teach you to be healthier? Okay, great. You're going to put it into practice. Oh, you want to use condoms? Great. Who are you having sex with? Oh, nobody will do that information. What else are you learn today? Can we let's put it to use right now? Right now, we're gonna put it to use right now, right now in this house to put it to use and see if it can help us live a better life. Oh, it can't. Well, why don't we just dismiss it? Are you okay with having your time wasted like this? Your youth? And then you can say to her, it's all about you being able to take care of yourself. That's it. Mm-hmm. Here, learn how to sew on a button. Save you twenty dollars in tailoring fees. Mm-hmm. Here, learn how to sew, sew, a, sew a skirt. Learn how to build a twenty by twenty foot room. You know, let's go. Let's get to work. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't finish your homework, you tell a teacher you've been busy and sorry you couldn't get the homework done. Maybe tomorrow. That's true. Well, you know, I remember <clears throat> uh, there was a, a, a my daughter's mom. She was a teacher. She she was teaching. Yeah. And she had a kid in her class where the father couldn't read. Correct. Right? Now, this guy owned multiple businesses. Correct. <laughs> but he couldn't help her with her homework. You see what I'm saying? And but he shouldn't have helped her with her homework. He should have told her, hey, come with me in these business. Let me show you some homework. <laughs> but he didn't. And so he got to work with kids who can't even run the businesses. Right. And that's that's what I have. Right. I have three kids, not one of them can run my business. I even said, I will show you how. No, no. I went to college against my advice. Right, I got boys and I try to show them what I do. Hey, listen, people pay for information. They want information. No, 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 no. Again, you have not demonstrated a problem to him. Your right. kids don't have a problem. They don't have a problem with your advice. So, first of all, are they married? No. Mm-mm. You didn't tell him. Dude, you want to get a girl? You need to earn more money. Let me show you how. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out a problem they have and how your information, whatever it might be, is a solution. Mm-hmm. My daughter's 32 now, not married. Right. But when she first 
got out of college, she wasn't able to pay her bills. She wasn't able to repay the loan, nothing. But she didn't feel like she had a problem because she just able, you know, just got four roommates, you know, and uh, she would just ask her roommates, oh, I can't make friends this month, can you let me fly, blah, 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 blah. She thought she was just being a good person. And finally, it got uncomfortable. People said, well, you know, you need to pay your rent. <laughs> and they told her, when you don't pay your rent, I have to go and borrow money to make the rent payment because my name is on the lease. And then when she realized how she was harming her friends and her relationships, then she got a job enough to pay her rent. She got a job making salad. Mm -hmm. Master's degree, job making salad. All right. Now she had enough to pay rent. And she couldn't even really buy her own food. She had to eat salad in salad place. Mm -hmm. Then she realized, oh, I don't have enough money to go places my friends are inviting me to go. Now she's got a job earning more money where now she can go places with her friends, she can pay her part of the rent with her four roommates, and so now she has, she can meet all of her immediate needs, money left over. Well, now she's thinking, well, wait, now I'd like a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Boyfriends are very expensive. You guys don't realize that they're very expensive. So girls feel, which is not true, but they have to fix their hair, get makeup, do this, blah, 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 to feel pretty. And that's about at least five hundred, probably thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, now she's earning more money. But until she had a problem that she needed to solve, my advice still on dead ears. Still be dead ears. So give them a problem <laughs> to solve. No, they already have a problem. You have to find the problem. Right. You have to point out. You have to. Identify the problem. So talk to your kids. Figure out what problem you have. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did your bachelor's degree solve that problem? Then, oh, mm-hmm. it might be a solution. Would you be interested in a solution? Right. I mean, you know, trial close, right? Trial close. Mm-hmm. Qualify your prospect. This is not that. No, not interested. Okay. Now, I can look at my daughter's life and I can give her quick, quick, quick solutions, which I gave her five years ago. But five years ago, she was not receptive. I told her, you want to meet a wealthy guy? Go to a boat show. Go to a motorcycle show. The motorcycle is your second or third or fourth vehicle. This is where you meet guys with time and money. Mm-hmm. I told her this at least five years ago. Now she's thinking, no, I'm not going to go to a boat show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and don't buy tickets to the boat show. No, no. Don't do that. Volunteer to hand out flyers. That way you meet every single guy. Welcome by. Every single guy gets to see you. And he has got no illusion that you have money because you're handing out the flyers. You need to pay for tickets to be there. So you're going to attract the guys who are not dead deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here you go. Relationship advice. <laughs> Um, all right, Dr. Daniels, I got another one. Yeah, this is, that's emergency advice. Yeah. Yeah, but it's got to be, if there's no problem that they want to solve, it's forget it. Right. All right, wonderful. It's been great you. talking to you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. You have a okay. good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.